0: that in the past couple months we've heard a number of things about marriage so I'm gonna uh, I'm the third string so I count it an honor amen to get to preach so I'm gonna throw my my version of a marriage sermon in there and uh, praise God praise God Ephesians 5:23 through 23 I'm gonna read that here it says wives submit your submit your own husband's As to the Lord, for the husband is the head of wife, also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the the wives be uh, to their own husbands in everything. Underline that, everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That, uh, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives, own wives, underline, own wives. Well, Got to say that because there's people out there crazy who, you know, they're into the other weird things out there. Own wives as their own flesh, uh, as their own bodies, excuse me. He who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hate his own flesh. But nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray. Father, I ask you this day that you would minister, God. There's people that are watching virtually that are hearing this perhaps now or Or later, those that are here, God, different states of marriage, Father, and I ask that you administer, you know, God, the challenges, you know, God, all that's going on, God, marriages that are on the rocks, God, marriages, those who are not yet married, God, but plan to be, Lord, that you administer your word this day, Lord, I surrender myself to you and I ask you, God, that you would help me, God, that you would speak by your spirit, your word, and touch your church, and ask you to, to just touch people this day, save souls, and heal marriages that are broken in Jesus' name. Amen. I found an interesting story that I want to use to illustrate. Uh, uh, and, and before I get going, listen, I'm going to speak in generalities tonight. I do not have time to balance each and every situation. I want you to understand that, okay? There's a whole lot of different things, I don't have time to do that. If you want to get me later, I'll be glad to do with specifics. But in the sermon, I just don't have time for that. So please don't get upset. If, well, that's not a thing. Listen, I'm speaking of on a baseline. Can you understand that? Hallelujah. In August 1994, a Korean jet uh, skidded across a rain-soaked runway, rammed, uh, uh, rammed into a safety barricade in Jeju, Korea. All 160 passengers escaped to safety just moments before the plane exploded into flames. So, what causes tragedy? According to news reports, the pilot and co-pilot had gotten to a fist fight over who's going to be in charge of the landing controls. Obviously, one of the pilots has the right to land a plane and wouldn't give it up. The other pilot wouldn't give up fighting for that right. I read this and I thought, what a depiction! of some marriages that this story is. Maybe that's how some of you came to church tonight. You weren't flying a plane, but you were fighting. Maybe you weren't fighting over the wheel, but there may have been some, maybe it was that silence, you know? There's an argument that had Chris before in the whole ride. It's like, okay, it might take you 15, 20 minutes to get to church, but it felt like five hours. Huh? Huh? Listen. God is going to minister and help you. Amen? That happens to people. You know why? Because we're people. Amen? So I pray that God will minister. And listen, if you're single, don't turn out now. So many people, they come to sermons. that, oh, marriage. Play the track or review the movie or think of what you're going to eat, right? Listen, if you store this up now, it will help you when you're married. If you put this in your toolbox and keep it fresh and ready, God can help you and you'll be ahead of the game. you have a head start on so many of us. Praise God. You know, if you look at the institution of marriage in our country, it's in a desperate state. We know that the devil wants to totally destroy marriage, to totally eradicate it, not just change it, but to eradicate it and stomp it into the ground. It is because it is the greatest example, it is the closest relationship, human relationship that could ever compare on earth to how we're supposed to be with God. Totally devoted, surrendered, no selfishness. Amen? Also because it is God's design through which procreation occurs, and the devil hates that because he cannot create life. He can only destroy. And because we are God's greatest creation... He wants to destroy us. Read a sad statistic that the divorce rate, and this is in 2020, among Christians or nominal Christians in the church 33%. One third of all Christian marriages divorced for whatever reason. I wonder how many of these marriages ended for the simple reason that the couple failed to fulfill their proper God-given roles. The ones that the Bible talks about. What I'm going to talk about is coming from the Bible. All right? Well, the world's changed. God's Word has not changed. God's thoughts on marriage haven't changed. And that is what we need to nail down and focus in on sharply. How many failed to fulfill the proper roles in the marriage or failed to do whatever was necessary to make their marriage work. And listen, if you're divorced or you've had that, I'm not here preaching to condemn you. There's hope. You can get married again and do it, you know, fix yourself and do it the right way. The first thing I want to look at is the role of the husband. Okay, guys? Put your big boy pants on. Here it comes. Remember, this is God's word, so if you don't like it, you go take it up with him, and he's right, you're wrong. That's it. It's just to give you a preview of how that conversation is going to go. I'm talking about loving your wife. It says in verse 25, husbands, love your wives, and gives us an excellent description and example so we are very clear. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That's a hard thing to do. I don't think you can do that without Jesus. I don't think you can do that with moral power, through intelligence, or anything else. You must be saved to be able to do that. What's interesting is that word love there, I looked it up in the Greek, it's not eros, it's not phileo, it is agape, or agapo, the actual formation of that word, or it is an imperfect verb form. What does that mean? That means that it is an action that is occurring in the present, and it is meant to be occurring in the future consistently. So it's not just when your wife makes you your favorite breakfast and coffee, you love her as Christ loved the church. It's not when she's being sweet to you and didn't burn a, a, a hole in your clothes with iron that you, you know, love her as Christ loved the church. It's when she might be being unlovable. It's when you wake up in the morning and go, Ah! Sorry. Sorry, I know no one here is like that. That's what she does with me, actually, right? Yeah. You still love her. Because this love is a love that is based on decision, not emotion. Although it can cause emotion, an emotion reaction to occur. It is a, a willful decision and not a feeling. It is not a self-serving love where, okay, uh, because you're doing something for me, well, that's, then I love you. It's no, you're doing nothing for me. And I still love you. How did Christ love us? He didn't wait for us to become lovable. The Bible says while we were yet without strength, we could do nothing for him any way, shape, or form. He loved us. That is how, gentlemen, we're supposed to love our wives. It is a self-sacrificing love. Where there is no limit that you won't go. Now listen, that doesn't mean you make her your idol. Because God kills idols. I don't want to have a dead wife, so she's not my idol. (laughs) Aren't you glad? (laughs) You know, so many young men, I hear this, Christian young men. I need to get married. I'm lonely. (laughs) Bro, if you're saved and you're lonely then your relationship with Jesus is not there yet. If you think you're incomplete without being married, don't get married. Your wife can't be Jesus to you. She can't do the things that only Jesus can, and it's wrong for you to expect that. You will be dissatisfied when you get married and find out she can't do that. When you're still lonely, And angry. And perturbed. And you find out there's things about her you don't like. And there's things about you she doesn't like. Right? Because when we're courting, we put the show on, don't we? Yeah. Men find out there's a toothbrush somewhere in their house. They may have used it to clean out something, but they had to rinse it a little bit. Just joking. We're not that caveman-like. Start finding out what a comb's for. Right? We, we start matching. You know, call, 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 glory to God. Those in the military find out that you can't wear your fatigues all the time. That's easy. They're all the, they always match. <laughs> Listen. You need to make sure before you get married that Jesus is already number one that you already completed him prior to marriage. Now listen, if you're already married, start now. Start now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till a tragedy happens. Don't wait till some earth-shattering event happens. Make sure that Jesus is number one now and learn to love your wife. It says in verse 28-29, 20 So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes it, churves it, as the Lord does the church. This means we have to serve and protect and esteem. That means we hold our wives up higher than ourselves. We consider our wives more important than ourselves, even our own bodies. Men have a problem with that. You know, marriage, I heard one thing, it's so difficult because you have two basically selfish people trying to get along together in the same house. And we live in a very selfish generation, you know, what will you do for me? There's even songs about that. What have you done for me lately? If that's your mindset, you're wrong. It's what can I do for you? It means we have to cherish her. That means, as our scripture says, you encourage her with your words, with thoughtful actions. Not just flip things, but you sit and think, how can I serve and please my wife? I want to ask you, and I want you to consider, don't answer this out loud, but consider this if you haven't. How do you speak of your wife to others? Are your words full of praise or are they full of insult? When you talk about your wife in the presence of your coworkers, especially those that are unsaved, any one of them ever said, man, I don't want to meet your wife ever. Why is that, brothers? Why is that, gentlemen? Because your words have painted a picture of her that's not right. I'm just telling the truth. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're, you're a bit slanted there. Amen? What do you do that clearly communicates to her that you love her more than any other human being? Not, not what you do that communicates to you. Because listen, We can be dumb. Amen? I have been dumb before. I have done. I've. Oh, my gosh. Uh, (laughs) There's so many. I mean well. I'm going to wrap myself out here now, okay? I remember one time I was on my way home from work. We were pioneering in Waco, Texas, and I stopped off at a store, a grocery store, and they had this awesome demonstration of a, what is that thing, a mandolin? Is that what it is? Am I saying the right thing? I thought the mandolin was an instrument. Same thing. Okay. So they had that, and I got a free awesome paring knife. And I was so excited that I got that from my wife because I didn't know what it was. It looked neat, whatever they were doing with it. said, hey, she probably can use that. It looks like it might be helpful to her. Brought it home, and in my mind, the whole way home after I got it, I'm thinking she's going to be excited. She's going to love it. She's going to be happy. It's going to make her life easier. She looked at me, and I thought that she was looking at a dead dog when I gave it to her. It was stink face. It was like, and inside, shattered. I thought I did something good. I thought, this community, I, no, no, not, not impressed whatsoever. In fact, not very favorable or positive whatsoever. And it's like, wah, 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 wah. I felt like Pac-Man at the end of the game, you know, when you lose. Because I, we were communicating right. That did not say I love you to her. She said thank you, but it wasn't a thank you that meant thank you. It was because she was being polite and trying to put together my shattered Pac-Man-like feelings. (laughs) I had to learn what says to her that I love her. So, I have some handouts at the back there. You have to find out, what is her love language? On the back there, you can get some of those, and there's... There's someone thought this up. There's five different love languages. So take those. Go home and talk with each other and say, what of these things says to you that I love you? And then do it. Put some thought to it. For the sake of time, I don't have time to go through all those. But it will help you and you get to keep it. Because the truth is this. Most of our love languages is not going to be the same. Amen? The, the, The thing that says that I love my wife, she's going to... No, really? You think that? Yeah, that's it. Really? That's weird. Vice versa. They're not always the same. And so you have to work that into your marriage. It means that, men, we have to discover our wives. And you know what? Women change all the time. And that can be a good thing, because life is crazy. We have to figure out what it is. What is the love language now that they like? What is the thing now? Amen? And the, listen, guys, you may say, dude, why are you being so heavy? I lay this at your feet. I put this at our feet because I'm including this also. Because we should love our brides enough to take the lead in this. Amen? You know, it's like the old saying. You know, uh, wife is upset, complains to their husband, you never say you love me. Listen, I'll tell you when I stop loving you, okay? (laughs) That's not enough! That's not, in her mind she slapped you. (laughs) Amen? Or shook her head and said, Neanderthal, what in the world? Where is, this is not the guy dated, this is not the guy courted. This is not the guy who made all the vows to me and promises. Listen, if you're doing the right thing, also, if you're already doing this, keep doing it. Amen? The other thing I want to look at, gentlemen, is that we need to be the leader of the home. So forget all this psycho babble that society has put out there now. Okay? Again, the world's changed. Jesus hasn't, God's word hasn't, God's role for us has not ever changed, nor will it ever change. It says in 1 Corinthians 11.3, I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of every woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. That is so chauvinistic! Take it up with God. There's times I don't like being a leader in my home. I wish I could kick back and just take it easy. But I can't, because honestly that would be sinning and disobeying God. The husband is supposed to be the leader of the home. So you borrow from the example, the pilot, not the co-pilot, the pilot, the one steering the ship. And listen, brothers, whether we want the responsibility or not, it's ours to lead the home. We are supposed to bear that burden. Now God can help us, Amen. But we are responsible for our wives, our children, our households. We are the house bond. That's what husband means. We're the ones supposed to keep it together by our leadership. That's why when Adam and Eve sinned, God didn't even talk to Eve until he was calling her on the carpet. Who do you call? Adam. Adam, where were you when your wife was being besieged by the devil? Why didn't you say anything, Adam? Why didn't you wish she was doing this? Flap it out of her hand. Oh, there goes that watch. Where were you? How many times has your wife been tormented? Been assaulted? And you were nowhere around. You were there, but you weren't there. You weren't sensitive. You didn't minister to her as Christ does to us. You didn't wash her with your words. In fact, you barely prayed for her and you're oblivious to the whole thing. Oh, it's the devil. Really? God's given us power over him, hasn't he? He's given us his word. We need to be present, gentlemen. We need to be attentive. We need to be aware of the state of our wives. That means you're going to have to talk. Okay? You can't read her mind, and she probably can't read yours. (laughs) The, The older you get the more you actually might start doing that as weird. We'll text each other the same thing, about the same thing, at the same time now. It's weird. It's like, okay, just have to check to make sure I didn't text myself, you know, if you can do that. No, she sent that to me and I sent that to her. Same words, same thing, same emoji. But that comes as you spend quality time with each other. That comes as you are in tune with each other. Listen, we have to be the leaders. It says in 1 Peter 3.7, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as a weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. We are the covering for our wives. That's what it means by that we are the head of our wives. Okay? We protect her from the world and sometimes from herself. Now, I know some of you ladies are now upset with me. Let me explain before you start. Ushers, make sure you frisk them for canned fruit and vegetables. The soft stuff I can handle, but the canned stuff I just know. My head's not that hard. Listen, sometimes our wives' emotions can get the best of her. Example, my wife's a hard worker. She will get on... Involved in a project or doing something, and she will work herself till she's exhausted and can't think straight, can't move straight, till she's sick, even sometimes. And over the years, I've had to notice this and say, Honey, put down the whatever it is, step away from it, go rest, take care of yourself. No, stop. Look, I have to get this done. I, no, no, stop. Stop, okay? When was the last time you drank some water? I mean, something like that, because she'll be in so involved in something. She'll, she'll get so wrapped up and concerned about something beyond what she, she should and to her own detriment. It is our job to know that and protect our wives from themselves. In that verse where it talks about the wise being the weaker vessel, that does not mean stupider. Amen? That does not mean dumb. That does not mean less than. That does not give us the right to to disrespect our wives and to speak as if, for those who are in the military, as if they're one of your little underlings. In the army, I was in the army. I did not get to speak to my wife as a private or an E1 because she's not. She's my partner in life. And I'm supposed to speak to her with reverence and dignity. Amen? You're not stupider or weaker. And and in case you haven't, in case you've bought the nasty Kool-Aid poison the world's pumping out, men and women are different. Yeah. I know. Revelation. Revelation. The army's figuring this out. They just did an army combat fitness test and they found out they had to reduce the standard for women or change it because they couldn't do the things guys could do. Amazing. Wow. I only got a two-year degree and it wasn't in phys ed, but I kind of figured that out when I was a kid. While women can withstand the most agonizing pain of childbirth and labor, there are things in life they are not meant to deal with. That's just the truth. Not that they can't deal with them. Okay, listen, not that they can't deal with them, but they shouldn't have to. If they're married to a godly man, they shouldn't have to because we should protect them. That is still our role. I don't care if she's six foot five and you're five foot one, which would be really weird, but you are still. Supposed to find a way to protect her. If that means you get an assault rifle, yes, I said it. Now it's been on YouTube. You do it. You do what you have to do, man. Because that's your woman. That is your wife. Not anybody else. If you're a truly godly man, you have to be a spiritual head of your home. That means you have to take the initiative and lead. You have to find out what God says about life, about your family, about your marriage, about all these things. You do it. Well, my wife's smarter than me. She probably is, but does not give you an iron out. You know, there's a saying, you can't follow a parked car. It's not going anywhere. Men, are you going somewhere in God? I'm not asking if you're called to any kind of a, a, a preaching ministry, but you should be going in somewhere. God should speak to you about a path that he wants you and your family to go on. You should find out how you're going to get there, how you're going to equip yourself and bring your family along and so your wife can follow you. But if you're going nowhere because you're a bump on a log, what is she going to do? But be frustrated and pray you get a clue. Listen, a godly woman yearns for her husband to lead. Deep down in her heart, when she gets past the fear of, oh my gosh, if he leads, he's going to screw up. Yes, he is, ladies. Yes, we do. Yes, I have. And I probably will. Sorry, honey. It's the way it is. And yet, we still need to lead. Maybe you don't know how to lead. Learn. Ask God to give you wisdom. That's what the Bible says, right? If you lack wisdom, ask. He's got a lot of it for you. Find a godly man or godly men that can mentor you, that can disciple you, who you can look to as examples. Ask questions. See, the thing is, we don't want to do that. Because then our pride takes a hit. And, oh my gosh, if I start leading, she's going to expect stuff of me. Like on a regular basis. I might have to work after work. Oh, heavens, a Murgatroyd. I I might have to be a real man instead of an overgrown boy. Just because you're a male biologically doesn't mean you're a man. A man is made, not born. All these young guys, I I I think it's so funny, so funny. Kids, I I had teenagers once too. They ate that little wispy hair, right? In the mirror for hours with the three little hairs. Man, I've got a mustache. Start using deodorant. I'm a man. (laughs) Boop, no you're not. They roll over. You're a boy. There's 40-year-old boys out there living in mama's basement, sitting in her skivvies, playing Minecraft and eating Cheetos. <laughs> what would you do with your life? Imagine if I before God, if you were saved somehow and get there, right? Maybe it's one of those, you know, deathbed salvation confession things. Son, what would you do with your life? Oh, I got to level 40 on Minecraft. I beat the big boss. Wow! Amazing. Those guys normally don't get married, by the way. They don't stay married for long. Listen, society has erased, pretty much erased the role of man and fathers. The role of husbands. And tried to extinguish the need for them. But God has not. And he never will. So listen, you and I, brothers, have not been relieved of our duty by God. So we need to find out what God tells us to do and then do it. That's simple. Equip yourself as a man. used to be an old song by Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons. Yep, I'm dating myself. Mr. Bob might know about that. You have a song called, Walk like a man and talk like a man. The funny thing is the guy singing is a soprano voice. But the song is all about walking like a man and talking like a man, acting like a man, a real man. And now we're not talking macho, you know, going oh. that no, that's kind of gross. Guys do that to like, you know, show off with each other, but that's kind of gross when you do it in front of ladies. Listen, it means that you don't whine and complain to your wife about how hard things are. You know, you did something wrong, pastor had to rebuke you, which is part of me a disciple. You're going to go whine to your, your wife. You know what you're doing? You're poisoning her against him and his preaching. Because she's going to want to take your side. She's going to trust you until she finds out that you're, you know, loser. But listen, God can change you. But listen, don't Don't complain. Talk to another. Talk to the person who you're upset with. That's scriptural. If you love your wife and kids, serve them. Are you the lamb for your home? Are you the priest of your home? Do you sacrifice and pray for your family? Are you leading your family and building and defending your piece of wall as pastor preached? Are you there building? And defending and fighting. Are you leading them in that? Because it was the whole family doing that, not just the guys. Or are you putting that all on your wife? Because you can't handle the stress because you have anxiety. Get delivered. Get a clue. Be a man. You spend all your time working and playing. Because listen, if so, that's going to build a resentment in your kids towards you. And then, because God's merciful, when you get it right, and then you try to be the man, your kids don't listen to you. Because you've been a horrible example. And if you've gone through a cycle like that, they really won't listen to you. Because they've seen it all before. And there's no change. And it doesn't minister to them. But listen, God can help you. The hope is this, that God can make you the man That you need to be but it is not going to be by oh pastor put your hand on my forehead and pray for me and the next morning now i'm a man no no because the devil's going to challenge that oh you're going to be a man we'll see we'll see hardship stress new boss who's the devil's brother-in-law right that's, that's many times how we're built is the, the duress of life, the challenges, ministry, amen? The pressures of life, but God can help you, amen? Okay, guys, now, everyone needs to sheathe their razor blades that they contain in their elbows. Put them away. I don't want anyone, I don't want to see this. Uh uh-uh. uh put them away. Not fair fighting in that way. All right? Let God say that to, to your wife or your husband. Not you. They, listen, listen, husband and wife, you know if God's talking to you. Because you feel that lead in your stomach. Right? And oh, no, that's me. I've been fighting this. I don't want to deal with this. Listen, you deal with it, and God is merciful and changes you. I want to talk next about the role of the wife. In verse 22 through 24, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Your own husbands, not other guys in the church. Your own husbands. For the husband is the head of the wife, also Christ is, as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of, uh, of the body. Therefore, as, Christ, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Listen, ladies, that does not mean that he is a tyrant. A leader is different than a tyrant. But let me balance that with this. Sometimes we don't have time to be all sweetie and nice and please thank you, honey. And sometimes, hey, babe, we, let's do this. I'm not trying to be rude, but there's a time factor involved and things need to happen, okay? God has made the wife the co pilot. That means you still get to fly, ladies, but you're just not in charge. The co-pilot is supposed to follow the pilot's lead. In the example I gave you, that's the whole problem why the plane blew up. Because they're doing this. No, I want to fly. No, I want to You're doing it wrong. No, I, you, I read the manual. You don't know how to read. <laughs> Who knows what happened? A fist fight. Imagine that. I know that never happens here. I hope not. I've not seen anyone you know, coming in having to put a lot of makeup on because they got in a fist fight but words do the same thing sometimes. It says in Genesis 2.18, the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. In other words, designed specifically for him. That's what Eve was. His rib, taken out of him, made for him. The helper, the help me, not the head. Amen? Ladies, you are... Your husband most valuable asset. If your husband is wise and consults you, you can help him and be a blessing to him so much. And a wise husband will consult his wife and bounce things off of her. That doesn't mean you share all the weights of the world. Because again, women aren't designed to have to deal with that. You have to protect, but that doesn't mean, listen, they have an intuition when they pray about things, especially dealing with people many times, that you would be wise to, to, to talk, to pray together. God will speak to them and help you. You know, here it is, David is not even married to Abigail yet, and David is about to do some bad stuff to Nabal, right? He said, I'm going to kill this guy and all servants, because he's a jerk, and he's a fool, and Abigail's not even married, has some wisdom, says, whoa, 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 whoa. Urkel, you're just there, Sparky. Are you really sure you want to do this? It's not going to go well. You know, you get a reputation. All that Saves his bacon, because she's a godly woman. And how does God reward her? Later on, she marries him. And for while he was doing good, that was a good thing. Listen, your wives, ladies, you are not your husband's second mom. You're not your, wife, you're not your husband's second mom. I got to say that a couple times because some guys think that that's, what, that's why you married her. So she could do all the stuff mom used to do for you. Grow up. She's your partner in life. Yes, she does serve you, but she's not your second mom, she's not a maid, and she's not a mistress. Ladies, you are better, and you are more, because that's how God made you. He's given you a place of honor and dignity. It says in Proverbs 31:11, the heart of her husband safely trusts her, so we'll have no lack or gain. My wife shared. We're discussing this because when it comes to the lady's part, I bounce some of this off her so I don't say something extraordinarily stupid. I know I'll say some dumb things, but I had to temper it a little bit, so she's my rib. She shared with me that in the Bible study you, you ladies were doing, that you covered that verse, and the King James says at the end part of that verse, so he shall have no need of spoil. In other words, the husband didn't have to go to war, or risk his life, to get stuff to provide for the family. Why? Because his wife was supporting and helping him. Listen, ladies, you are our sanity check. You are the one that we should absolutely know that we can confide in. When no one else is going to understand us, we can go to you, just be ourselves, warts and all, without wondering, oh, am I going to be rejected? Am I going to be called stupid? Thought of as less than? You're the one who gets to hear all our crazy ideas, right? I get a lot of crazy ideas sometimes. Not crazy bad, crazy like, man, I want to do this for God. And I can just see her eyes sometimes going, oh, boy, let me sit down, get a cup of tea. This guys he's, he's, he's ready to take a flight here, fancy. But she's never shot down and said, that's stupid. If you ever want to keep your husband, ladies, from ever confiding in you, do that when God has spoken to him or he's had something that, that is feasible and he wants to share it with you, just, if you just want to ruin his day for years and make it so he'll never confide and trust you, tell him it's a stupid idea. That's stupid. You can't do that. What a jerk. And I guarantee you, silence, the kind you won't like, will in, enter into your marriage because you've, cut, you've told him that he can't trust you. He can't confide in you that you're not the person you ought to be to him. When he feels that no one has his back, he knows that you do. Listen, every man wants to be his wife's hero. There is something within us. I don't care if you're 25 years old or if you're 75 years old. There is something in us that seems maybe childish or like a little boy where we want to be your Superman. We want to leap Tall buildings in a single bound. We want to catch you and get you out of the way of the railroad track that's going to run you over to save you from the villain. We want to do that. But you've got to let us. You've got to encourage us. Amen? Next to God, you're supposed to be our closest relationship. But have you removed that trust? Listen, we're going to make mistakes. But don't run us down. Amen? Pump us up. The world has warped and mutated horribly the admirable and honorable role of women. And it's sad when women in God's house, they improperly prioritize what their their goals are. Where they put career and travel and material things first, and then afterwards husbands and kids. Listen, despite what the world has said, ladies, you weren't made to have it all. You read stories of women who put the career and all this stuff first. Okay? And then they're 40, 50 something, and they can't find a good man, and they want to have kids, but the, 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 they got to adopt them because the clock's ticking. And they realize then, with regret, I wasted half my life on what I thought was most important when I could have had it all. I'm not saying that, that, listen, if you have to work outside the home because your family needs it, I understand that, okay? But when that is your goal, because you're sick of the kids you asked God to give you, how, how, when you're not prioritizing the thing you asked God to give you, something's askew there. Again, if you need to work because I understand finance and all that stuff, I get it. But if it's because you want toys... You might want to take that up with God. What what if your kids say, why are you always going off? Why are you always, well, kind of have money for my stuff, my toys. Really? Are your kids going to understand that and like it? What do you prioritize first? Have you sought God for that? Have you sought God to validate you or the world? Are you trying to model yourself after the woman that you see in pop culture and magazines, you know, Real Housewives of Newport News? God help us if that ever happens. In other words, train wreck. Is that who you want to be? Does that look appetizing to you? Listen, listen. Raising your kids, your creation. An investment in the next generation, it only begins at pregnancy and birth. But it continues their whole life long. My oldest son is 30-something years old. And you know who he calls almost all the time when he needs to be pumped up and where he wants to share an idea? His mom. He values her opinion because she sacrificed to help. She sacrificed. Yeah, we could have had a lot of things in our lives, but we made a decision early on, okay, I will do whatever I got to do so you can stay home with the kids and you take care of them. And has built a security and a confidence in them that is like, like nothing the world could ever give. I would never trade any money for the hard times we had to go through because of that, the sacrifice we had to go through. It is incredibly important in value. Listen, don't waste or sacrifice it. Amen. I have to go quickly here, my last point. Applying the truth to life. Verse 31 and 33. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife and let the wife see she respects her husband. Someone did a study one time, asked a bunch of men, said, Hey, would you rather be loved or respected? You know what the guy said? Respected. Because we have egos, and that's what gives us a drive to go on and do great things for you, ladies. Is we need that, while the wives need to be loved. Because listen, God has set up a covenant of marriage. It's a holy matrimony. It is not a contract of marriage. In a contract, if one party fails to hold up to their part of the bargain, you can tear the contract up. It's null and void. But marriage is not a contract, it is a covenant. That means each individual part of the party, husband and wife, must fulfill their part as much as they can. It's not 50-50. I'm going to blow some of you guys' minds, because that's what you think. If he does 50, I'll do 50. What if he can't? Well, then I'm not going to do it either. Pastors deal with this in counseling all the time. Well, Pastor, I'll do right when she does right. What does she say? I'll do right when he does right. And so no one does right. Because you're doing a 50 50 thing. And what happens to your marriage? It never grows, it never becomes what God would have it be that powerful team against the world and against Satan. Listen, in a marriage covenant, you gotta take up each other's slack. Because you're on the same team. You're not fighting against each other. You're not trying to compete. It's not a competition on see who's most right most of the time. That's not fun. Let's be honest. That's not fun. That's old. You know, there's sometimes I'll let my wife be wrong. I don't have to be right. It's okay. It's really okay. It doesn't, it's all right. And hopefully she does the same with me. Listen, you gotta sometimes, gentlemen, we're at 10% on our best days, aren't we? And our wife has to take it to slack. And other times it's the other way around. That's the way it's designed to be. We complement each other. See, marriage is a covenant between you and God, and you and your spouse. It's holy. And listen, violating it is not a light thing. And I'm not talking about just unfaithfulness in the imminent parts of marriage. You can be unfaithful to your vows by failing to fulfill the God-given role as husband and wife. You know, as believers, we know that uh, in the Bible, there's a certain place that gives lists of, of people who are going to go to hell by sins they do, right? 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 gives us a list of that as an example. But what about if we fail to obey God by fulfilling our rightful roles in our marriage? If that's how we live consistently, well, God sent us to hell over that. Is that a sign of someone being backslid? Ever think of that? Because, right, we, we were like, okay, well, that, no, though, that, that, sin will go, Yet, yeah. What about if you're not obeying what God told you to do in your marriage? Is that, that's pretty bad, isn't it? Because you lied to God about your vow. Oh, he didn't really mean that, did he? Yeah, he, he really was paying attention when we gave those vows, the, the traditional ones. Not those, you know, Romeo and Juliet ones that are fake and we don't mean. I laugh at those folks. I want to write my own vow. Oh, you want to lie to someone. Got it. Okay. (laughs) Because that's how you feel in the moment. Get back with me 30 years later. Okay. How many of those things you fulfilled? Listen, it's a serious issue. The breakdown of marriage leads to the breakdown of families. And the breakdown of families leads to the breakdown of society as a whole, which we're seeing and witnessing before our eyes. And it all plays in the devil's hands in his mission to destroy marriage. If you look at, at, at marriage vows, look, it, it deals with things that are real things that are going to happen in life. Sickness and health. Going to happen. Mark it down. Rich or poor. Going to happen. Mark it down. That's not some fantasy that stuff's going to happen when life changes and you're in a covenant relationship you stay true and you do your best regardless no measuring no keeping scores doesn't matter how you feel and it doesn't excuse a person who is not living up to their role to to fulfill their role we both have to do our utmost for our marriage because marriage is a team Says so in First Peter three seven that we are heirs together of the grace of life. In Ecclesiastes four eleven through twelve again, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But if, how can one be warm alone? The one may be overpowered by another; two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. That means we have to have a common goal and vision in life. Stop. Oh, sorry. Yes. Okay. I need to end this. Um. Listen, we have to be on the same page. We don't have to be just on the same page. We have to be the same page. You think that it's, oh, I just, I won't be unfaithful. I, I won't be fa- faithful. You know, d- divorce is not that bad, or, or just not fulfilling my roles. is not that bad. See what happens? This is what happens when you're married, and you don't want to fulfill your roles. When it leads to divorce. You see what's happening? Man, do did this awesomely I mean I don't have fingernails see what happens one flesh you're never going to get out you're never going to wreck your marriage and get away scot free you have changed if you've been married for any length of time you have changed that person's in you that person's in your mind your emotions your heart you're not going to successfully live after wrecking or not investing in your marriage. You'll be damaged. There's no way I'm going to be able to put this together. But You know what? I know someone who can. Jesus Christ can make all things new. If you fulfill the role that he has set for your marriage and you go to him. You go to him and pray, God, forgive me for not being the husband I need to be. God, forgive me for being the wife, not being the wife that I should be. Not God changed him. Did he? Look, there's time for pray for your husband or your wife to be the, the one that God wants if they're not. But how about you look at yourself first? Amen? Real quick note to single folks. This is why courtship is so important. You find out what the person's made of before you marry them, okay? Because they're not going to be that person the rest of their life. They're going to change, but you need to find out what they really are like. Look beyond the sales pitch. Amen? Look under the hood. You ever see a car get in an accident and they get put on a sales lot? Now you find out if it's been an accident besides the Carfax thing. Sometimes if they've got a paint job, you open the hood, start looking in the trunk, and the paint's a different color. Because, I mean, the outside look great, but the inside's jacked up. That's what courting's supposed to be about. That's what praying and being right with God's supposed to be before you get married. How about we pray and read the Bible and apply what God's Word says to our marriage and our family. It's crucial because the world is changing, and it's not for the better. And the unsaved need to see an example of a godly marriage. Amen? I want to close with this quick illustration. Maybe you've heard uh, in, nine, in January 15th, 2009, the uh, miracle on the Hudson. What it was is a uh, air, U.S. Airways flight 1549 took off from the Guardia. And after a few minutes in the air, ran into some geese that got obliterated in the engine, took both engines down. Now, because of, they were only about 2,000 feet in the air, they couldn't go through restarting the engine. So the pilot, his name was Sully, that was his nickname, he focused on landing the plane and keeping it from crashing. They're going to have to do a crash landing in the Hudson. That was going to be the safest thing. Well, he wasn't alone in saving the people in that plane that day. His first officer or co-pilot, Jeff Skiles, had to rely on his lifetime training to save the crew and the lives of the passengers. He had recently gone through this A320 planning, uh, or training and had all the different things he was supposed to do in case the engines flame out or whatever and had a checklist. And he followed the checklist to a T. And because he followed the checklist to a T, all 155 people plus the crew on board were rescued that day. Because they both worked together. They followed the checklist and the, the things they were given by somebody else. Does it sound familiar? God has given us a checklist that we need to follow, roles that we need to fulfill. And if we do that, the, the plane of our marriage will fly right and when there's damage, we can land safely. Can you say amen? Doesn't mean we won't hit some geese on the way, because we just might. But we'll know what to do. We'll know who to call. We'll be fighting over how we're going to land this thing. Listen, there is no your truth and my truth in this. It's God's truth. Amen? It has to be applied to life, and that is a sure foundation. Husbands and wives, listen, stop trying to change your spouse. You're just going to get a headache. Let God change them. Give them over to God. Maybe you're married to someone who's not saved. The hope is this. You give them over to God. God convicts them. God changes them. Amen? He may use your example to do that. If you're single here, listen, start working on yourself or let God work on yourself now. Don't wait till you're married. That's, that's, You've got it backwards there. Amen? Listen, brothers and sisters, it is up to us. We have to find a way to score against the devil. You and your husband, you and your wife, score against the devil, not against each other. Build each other up, edify, encourage, compliment rather than tear down and critique. Esteem your spouse and pray for each other. Amen? That's all I have. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Praise God. Maybe you're here.